Hello and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group Presents Investigating Angel. That's right, we are going through episodes of Angel, talking about them, chatting about them, enjoying them, and then talking about the life lessons we can learn out of these episodes. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And today we'll be chatting about episode 10, Parting Gifts. Mm. That's right, these are the parting gifts of the last episode in case you missed them. Uh, Doyle, sorry for the ones that have to tell you this, but Doyle passed away. Sacrifice himself. Yep. As a hero would in the episode, hero. And that's what happened. Yeah. But he parted. He parted. But maybe there's some gifts that he left behind. Which you would call parting gifts? I'd call them that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're down here. And I'd, call them, I'd call them leaving. leaving presents. Yeah, there you go. Leaving presents. I was trying to think of an, I was about to say leaving presents. And I was trying to instantly think of if there was an L word for presents, but... Leaving leaflets? Uh, if you consider a leaflet a gift... I don't. I would neither. I would consider it the opposite. An inconvenient... A burden. A, like something to litter. Now I have to recycle this? Now I have to recycle a piece of paper... Yeah. ...that talks about this cause yeah. that is probably not that much of a cause. I will say something... Yeah. ...positive about leaflets and pamphlets. Convenient? Uh, convenient? Sure, that's on top of it. This is very holdable. So holdable. I just want to give a shout out to human beings that figured out that you can fold a paper into thirds really quickly. I think that's an invention or a technology or an advancement that we don't discuss nearly enough. Never. It's amazing. You turn one piece of paper into a freaking boardroom by folding it into thirds. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. You got so many different little windows that you can play with. You can live, you can live life. You can ask questions in big letters on the front. Yeah. Reveal it, the answer to the question in smaller letters and you, the rest of it. You even have on the back of your paper. Imagine if you showed someone a piece of paper and you said, hey, on the back of this, I'm going to put my contact information just down the middle. They'll go, that's stupid. That's insane. And you go, oh, yeah? That's only one of six different planes I can play with. And... With what I'm about to do with this paper, that's going to be the back. Mm. It's amazing. Wow. Incredible. So, anyhow, on that note, let's head into the library. <laughs> Cue the music, Jim. Again, that music was put together by Jimmy Scavone. Mm-hmm. I believe they're performing around the time that this podcast is going up in Pasadena. They just played last night. According to when, now when we're recording it, or uh, when it's going to go up? They played a week ago. Before last night. Okay, so last Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but check out the Volcanics and Alt-Tab Delete, Jimmy Scavone's bands. He does the theme song for both the Sunnydale Study Group and for Sunnydale Study Group Presents Investigating Angel. Yeah amazingly talented musician yeah he's awesome um so speaking of talents one was passed on in this episode indeed from doyle to another character but let's say you were too busy dealing with yet another demon scourge except this time with a lower s perhaps you didn't have time to watch the episode Mm. we don't have a cram session but i will tell you what we do have this tape recorder right here (laughs) it's an old voicemail machine 
Back from the 90s, which you might remember. Mm-hmm. Specifically, this one looks like it was from 99. Yeah. So I'm going to blow the dust off of it, and, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and hit play. Um, hi, Angel Investigations. I really need your help, and I hear you help the helpless. So this demon came into town, and he was fleeing someone who was tracking him, someone ominous, and that someone turned out to be... Wesley Wyndham Price, a watcher who has since become a rogue demon hunter. And while he's hot on the pursuit of this demon, it turns out that that demon actually wasn't that evil at all, and that the demon who, another demon that was fleeing from Wesley, he tricked the angel gang into trusting him and then actually took Cordelia and tried to sell her eyes because Cordelia inherited the visions from Doyle on his final death kiss. And, you know, selling the eyes from a seer at an auction is really close, and they almost get bought by Wolfram and Hart, but luckily Angel and the gang get together with the, who they thought was an evil demon, but it's kind of a good demon, and they saved Cordelia in time. Uh, yeah, if you could call me back at 555-5555-5555, and then one more five. All right, thank you so much. Bye. Okay, cool. Do you remember those half fives back in the nineties when it was the dot, yeah. like the the phone said button, so you just hit the bottom corner. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. That's how you get the half five. Yeah, yeah. Crazy episode. Crazy episode. Cordy gets the visions. Yeah. So now, so let's quickly talk about that. Cordy now has vision abilities from the powers that be. Yes, this is. An interesting development because it's one that becomes a new element of Cordelia's character. Yes. Cordelia bears Doyle's visions. Yes, yes. So it's kind of like the most important element of Doyle, which was that he was the vision bearer, has now been passed on to the most important character besides Angel and in the process made her more intimately linked to Angel's uh, quest for redemption and yes. salvation of the universe. She is the conduit between, or the liaison between the powers that be and Angel. Yes. Great. She's his connection. Yeah. And that's what Doyle intended to do. Mm-hmm. Is there a point for the f- visions being so painful? Um, you know, in the same way of like, why does the most delicious food make you unhealthy and gain weight? And why does the least delicious food give you the most health? I feel like these might be opinions. (laughs) As someone who loves celery. Well, celery's great. Celery's great. I'm a big cucumber guy. You know what? I like that stuff too. But nacho cheese... Yes, please. Yeah, that's a good point. Nacho cheese is really good. And we're not, just so, in case you're wondering, are you like, queso? No, no, no. Nacho, quote, unquote, cheese. Mm-hmm. It's like a liquidy paste. Oh, not that stuff. Not, you're not, what are you a fan of? Like actual nachos. Yeah, with nacho cheese, right? Not like the, no, I don't like the, the goop. Well, what do you have it with? I have it with melted in a oven cheese. Hard yeah. cheese that gets melted. Do you know what cheese it is? You know, sometimes it's Monterey Jack. Sometimes you had nachos with Monterey Jack? I've had them all. I've had Parmesan nachos. They didn't really go as well. That sounds like not like you should just replace that with fries. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, that's why the visions are painful. I think it's because... They're healthy? Because they're healthy. And, no. Cordelia is a mortal. Yes. 
who is experiencing heavy magic. I get what you're saying. It's a lot. It's, it's like, a lot of energy. Got it. It's a lot more than... Oh, because also, Doyle was half demon, so yeah, 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 yeah. And he experienced the pain as well. Yeah, but Cordelia is full, not demon. Full human. Although being half demon, does that mean you're actually quarter demon? Because aren't demons half human, according to Anya? Um, they're human hybrids, and so I guess hybrid is kind of a mix. I don't know if it necessarily means that they're part human, but they take humanoid form got it in terms of how much the like fractions break let's see let's see excuse me live sneeze i think that's what it is and so i think it's just there's a rush of mystic energy in cordelia's brain and doyle's brain and the visions cause pulse pounding pain okay which she discovered in the middle of her audition that's right Mm -hmm. that's right uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. Cordelia Chase, good actor? I think better than most working actors today. That's a pretty good point. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We only really ever see her act in auditions. That's a very good point, which is a really hard environment situation yeah. to act in. Yeah, it's very cold. Usually the person you're playing against is is like a casting director's assistant or someone just reading a script pretty poorly yeah yeah you're being judged yeah you probably just came frazzled i did casting for a little bit and it was fun reading the sites to be honest because then i got to act but i wasn't auditioning yeah you got to play pretend i just got to play pretend with a bunch of actors who would come in and i was just like this like frat guy i was just like come on let's go back to the party and then they were just like i'm staying out and then we like fought, and I just did it like over and over with different actors. And I was like, "This is a lot of fun." <laughs> yeah. So, I, what do you bet? You think Cordy's a good actress? I think anyone who shows up, reads the lines, and hits their marks, it's a good actor. I haven't seen her do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we just uh, haven't had a chance. Really, you're totally right. We haven't yeah. seen her in anything. No. Are you an actor... Sorry, I don't know why I'm stuck on this, not the visions. But are you an actor if you aren't appearing in things yet? I think you are an actor if you are acting. Right, but what if you're not? You know what I'm saying? Like if you're just auditioning? What if you're not acting in anything? What if you're not even auditioning? Like, is a runner a runner even if you haven't run for two weeks? These are bigger questions. I have no answer. I'm just wondering. I think that if they've run enough to gain a little bit of some identity as mana, a runner, mm-hmm. okay. If you have running mana, if you've got running mana, then that doesn't evaporate in two weeks. Got it. I think two years later, I used to be a runner. Got it. So there is a statute of limitations mm-hmm. on a professional label. Yeah. In that way. Yes, because acting actually has more to do in this episode than just Cordelia's audition. It also has to deal with the fact that Barney, mm-hmm. the empath demon, was acting that whole time, and then he acted a fool because he was actually being villainous in secret. He was. That's a weird character. Barney. And it's a little strange how quickly he's trusted. We... Is it because of Doyle, even? That it was like, 
Angel is now used to being like, I trust certain demons if they seem like they're racetrack demons. I feel like we've put them on a pedestal. Yeah. Uh, like gambling, gambling prone demons, yeah. right? Betting prone demons. I can see us being a little too okay with that. Yeah, and an angel just lets it go, and then it turns out he's one of the worst of all. I don't know if it ever hurts to be paranoid if you're a detective. I think that you don't leave unknown, mystically endowed creatures with your mortal friend. Yeah, that's a very good point. In the same way that like, you wouldn't do the same thing, you wouldn't do it with Xander. Yeah. You probably wouldn't even do it with Willow or Giles. Yeah. Like Buffy would make sure that at least two of them There's were there. There's a buddy there. system going. Yeah. I agree, I agree. But one thing we haven't talked about yet, Wes! Yeah, you know what? Let's just rip the bandit off. Wes! Because underneath is Wesley, and that's great. Wes is in. Wes is in, and it really just kind of turns up the, the, the heat on the rogue show. Rogue demon hunter. Insane. Is he a rogue demon hunter, or is he hunting rogue demons? I think he's both. Wow. Now that is a good play on yeah, words. exactly. He's a friend of mine. Do you remember Sarah Palin had her book, Going Rogue? I do remember. My friend Ashley did a Photoshop when that came out. That was Wesley Wyndham Price, Going Rogue Demon Hunter. Hey, there you go. That's yeah. great. I'm going to try to find it and put it on our Instagram. I probably read. Did you ever read Sarah Palin's book? I didn't. Uh, I skipped it. Okay. Yeah. Like, it was on your list, and you are just like, no. Actually, I'll just do War and Peace. It was on my, yeah. It was on my list of things to look at and go, oof. Got it. Yikes. Not a fan of her. But fan of Wesley Wyndham Price. Yes. So, Wesley... Alexis Denisov, what an actor. What an actor. He is not actually British. No? Let's just, just quickly like Spike. point that out. Not actually British. Married Dallas and Hannigan in real life. Yes, they're married in real life. Not at the time of the show. No, but event, I think that's how they, they met. I would assume yeah. so. Yeah. They would have had to have. They were in episodes together in season oh, yeah. three. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless they met before, mm-hmm. right? Like at a mixer, or like a Pinewood Derby race or something like that right. in a neighborhood. Yeah. Like the and Woodland if, Hills Boy Scouts or something. Yeah. And if you're out there, did you expect Wesley to come in? Did you know that Wesley was a part of Angel? And if you didn't, you know now. Yeah. Wesley, big character on Angel. Is that a spoiler? Uh, I don't think so. Like, I mean, it's a little bit of a... Sp- I don't say more in terms yeah. of how long or what happens, yeah. but... But Wesley... Is now a character on Angel. Is a character on Angel. He's here. Let's explore him. Hope you're into it. I love it. Quick refresher. Where was Wes when we left him? Uh, he was on a stretcher. Right? It was the battle of graduation day. Yeah. Wesley decided he wanted to fight himself. He got knocked in the face, right? He got knocked down right away, which was an Alexis Denisoff idea. Uh-huh. Joss had originally written in the script that, like, Wesley had this heroic moment, or, like, he wanted... He, oh, he asked him. He asked uh, Alexis, do you want to have this heroic moment? And Alexis Denisoff said, I think it would be funny if Wesley runs into battle and instantly just of gets course. knocked on his ass. And then he does. And, but, you know what? He tried. I mean, that's all part of... He took that vampire's attention for that amount of time exactly helped out angel it, it, that was a frontline move right there mm-hmm. you know 
And it was cool because in that battle, he side by side with Angel, something he'll get used to. And now when he shows up, I love the part of him stepping on the bed and his pants being like so slippery that he like, yeah. can't do it quite. So great. And then when he decides to get out of his rogue demon hunter clothes and he's just in this like incredibly dapper suit. Yeah, of course. Jeez, Wes. Always fancy. Always fancy. It's great to have Wes back. Yeah. It's great to have a touch of, even though Wes isn't uh, Scooby Scooby, OG Scooby, he is a touch of Sunnydale. He's familiar. He's a little splash of Sunnydale. He reminds us of Buffy, and I almost think that, and I wonder what you'd think about this. Now, Doyle, love Doyle in many ways. Sure. Never really quite got to explore that character too much. Sure, sure. I would say Bachelor Party and Hero are the Doyle episodes. Not necessarily the Angel episodes you're going to go back and rewatch. I'd agree. We at least know that he knows of House of Pies. Exactly. Yeah. So Doyle, I think, wasn't really making the gang feel like a gang, and that the show Angel is still finding itself, which it works on for some time. Yeah. Um... And I think that what the injection of Wesley does is it just reminds you, hey, Buffy, Buffy was a show. Don't you love it? Yep. Because there's something about this episode, too, and I don't know if it's just the way it's on Hulu or what it was. Something about it almost seems like the quality of the way it was shot seems low. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's season one, and I think that might be a film transference. I don't know if they were still shooting Angel on film. But it feels like that might be a preservation thing. Although, when I was first watching Angel, I noticed that a lot of the episodes felt weird. Like they were just using a weird camera. Yeah. Because it's like, you go right to Buffy, and it's not the case. Because this is the first digital season of Buffy. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. They shot on film. I think they shot on 16mm uh, for the first three seasons of Buffy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's what gives it that very, like, gothic feel and look. And that's what's kind of different about season four Buffy. It's, like, it's very bright. And the colors interact a little bit differently. You need less light anyway. So you can go into, like, you know, mm-hmm. different spots and stuff. It feels a little less stagey because right, right. you can just carry the camera around. Um, that said, go film. Film's great. Yeah. That said, like, a lot of dingus on film. I think film looks better, personally. Totally. But whatever it is, especially there's a scene... It's the scene in which Wes and Angel are in the like that room where they first encounter each other. Yeah. Some shots in it, they look like out of focus. I might have to go back and pay a little bit more attention. Yeah. I was like, this is weird. Because I was watching, I watched something blue, and then I watched this, and it was like a, it was a clear difference. I mean, because they are not... I'll have to look at the exact credits. I wonder who's shooting what. Mm-hmm. I would be very interested about that. To yeah. see if they brought anyone from Buffy or they were like completely new production crew. Yeah. For Angel. Something tells me a little bit of crossover and that something is not research because we'll have to go do it for next yeah. week. <laughs> but yeah, so Wesley's back. He's a rogue demon hunter. I love the bit of Angel being like, but you never thought you'd see me. Mm-hmm. Or Wesley says that and he's like, honestly, I never gave it much thought either way. Yeah. Which is a big part of Wes. Yep. Wes admitting to himself that he feels like a full failure. He was fired by the Watcher's Council. Yeah, so he was fired. Disgraced Watcher. Disgraced Watcher. Buffy broke the Slayer Watcher 
line. Yep. And then Faith went evil and is in a coma. Mm-hmm. Not a great track record as a Watcher. But... But at the same time... Watcher's not... I mean, his Slayer's not dead. No. Buffy lives, and if anything, it helps because... And what's the most evil that Faith did in the end? Kill, I would say, Lester, the volcanic professor. That was pretty bad. Because, it, like, like, Finch, she thought was a vampire. Friend of the podcast. Yes. Jack Plotnick's character, Finch. Yep. Deputy Mayor. She, that was an accident. Yeah. Lester, that was a direct intended murder. So, I guess another question I have is, where exactly do, where does a Watcher's jurisdiction fall? Shouldn't it be that the Slayer is just strong enough and prepared enough to face the world? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Faith was really good at fighting. I think that was Wesley's jurisdiction. Faith was not a great person. No. I don't know if Wes should get blamed for that. He shouldn't. And I don't know if Watchers are trained in, like, psychological, clinical, therapeutic conversations. No. And it's a pretty archaic... I mean, we can't really fully get into the history of the Watchers Council until a later. few seasons later. Yeah. But the Watchers Council, we already know that they're not really on the level. Yeah. They are the ones... Our encounters with the Watchers Council were in Helpless in season three. Yeah. In which they have Buffy... They secretly take away Buffy's powers. God. And have her fight against like that murder demon. I, that felt like years ago. Yeah. That was the last time we saw them. I think yeah. that's where we met Quentin Travers and all yep. that. And so it's like, you know, the Watcher's Council, it's putting out Gwendolyn Post. Yep. It's not a super, it's not like it's the Justice League. No, they're not. The Watcher's Council is not the Justice League. No. It's not like you are happy that they're coming in. We're kind of led to believe that they are the ultimate protectors of good and the keepers of order against the forces of darkness. And then it turns out that they're actually kind of shady and stiff and like kind of like corrupt politicians in that way. Like think they're doing right. The patriarchy. Yes. As our friends over at Buffering. Yes. The, the patriarchy. Yeah. They are. And it's a bunch of dudes. A bunch of dudes. And the only major female watcher that we met was evil. Yeah. Gwendolyn Post. And she was gunning for a glove. The glove of Minigan. But yeah, it's they are representative patriarchy. Yeah, deciding what Buffy and by association all slayers, not by association, but just directly what all slayers should do mm -hmm. and act and feel. Yeah. And speaking of patriarchy, Barney the demon in this episode not great, really sketchy. Yeah. And then the way that they deal with the Cordelia plotline is also uncomfortable. I agree. Like Cordelia gets punched in the face multiple times feels kind of unnecessary and then is going to be auctioned off the idea of the auction was very angel in yes. terms of the show like i don't think that's an idea that would show up in buffy no it's like in buffy demons aren't part of society they're kind of in the fringes mm -hmm. and they hide and they're in the darkness and they're underground in angel 
they walk among us. Yeah. And if anything, they are comfortable to do so and are powerful. Mm-hmm. And even the fact that Angel can run his business, yes, Angel is an ensouled vampire and we trust him, but the fact that a vampire is able to run a legitimate business that has like a number in the phone book yeah, speaks to the fact that L.A. is a place that if you've got enough money and influence, yeah, you can run a demon auction in which you're selling the eyes of a woman. Yeah. And that there's enough powerful people who are just so casually dismissive of life, like Wolfram and Hart lawyers. Yep, yep. Who are be willing to take their eyeballs. People just taking other people's eyeballs. What's up with the LA in that? That's a Blade Runner thing, too. They do that in, L- in Blade Runner, too? Oh, the whole thing is like, we gotta get these eyes. Dude, just leave people's eyes in their heads. I agree. And why did they think that Cord... I guess it's kind of like an unknown thing. They're like, the eyes of a seer. It has to be more... It wasn't like Doyle was like, let's touch eyeballs. Yeah, no. It's something else. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's... It's in the mind. I agree. Not the eyes. No, I don't think... What, you could pop the eyes into like a goldfish jar and get visions? No. Yeah. Also, wouldn't the powers that be be like, no, no, we're not doing that. Even if that, even if it did directly go through the eyes, which again I don't, because I don't think if you're literally seeing stuff, the eyes are also not the vision center of a brain. They're just no. the lenses. Exactly. And the, whenever Doyle and Cordy are getting visions, they are grabbing their heads in pain. Not their eyeballs in pain. No. What do you think about that like auction back and forth exchange? It makes me not like rich people. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's just... And they both, like, look like they're kind of Zoolander yeah. villains. Because they're not demons. No. They're just, like, collectors of... Yeah. Obscurities, right? Of yeah. curiosities. And is that what... Oops, sorry. I just moved the table. And is that what Barney was after this whole time? Was auction goods? Was it? What was Barney's motivation? Barney. Man, let me look up and redeemed here. Yeah. While you do that, I am going to just do a really quick PSA for you guys. Uh, don't auction organic matter. That's just a weird thing to do. I agree. And Barney was the auctioneer. Okay, so Barney. So there was the Kungai demon. Yes. That was, that's who Wes was pursuing. Right. But Wes was pursuing that demon because it was a demon. That demon was pursuing Barney. Oh, wait, no, no, that that demon's horn was stolen by Barney. Right. That demon was after Barney because Barney stole the horn. We thought Barney wasn't the worst guy in the world, originally. We thought he was just another shady gambling demon. Turns out, he's just chopping off bits of... People. Living things. Yes, and selling them on the on his black market auction. Gosh darn it. Barney. Not chill, man. No. That was an interesting the the hotel or the convention hall. It was pretty easy for Angel to discover. Yeah, I yeah. I think that's sort of the big takeaway of this episode, to be honest, mm-hmm. is that they're not trying too hard. It's like they're not that afraid. I think a lot of these, you know, it's like that thing, it's like you hide in plain sight. My response is you're in plain sight, you're not hidden. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people are just like, we'll just do this in plain sight. And you see shitty stuff going on. It's like, but I see you. The thing is, if I was Angel and I saw you, then I would fight you because that's my calling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's kind of like Angel is the first hero of L.A. That L.A. has become a... Like demon-wise or just in general? Uh, in, t- demon, in the demon world. Okay, I was going to say there's like civil rights leaders and stuff like that that have... Uh, I mean, in, yeah, like in, yeah, the, in okay. the fight against Sure, hell. in terms of got it, got it. In terms of the hell mouth, yeah. outer ring. Exactly, and I feel like L.A. became a, a nesting ground for demonic people to be able to have power in this universe. Yes. It's like opening... Episode. Yep. Major showbiz people, vampires. Yes. Powerful law firm, interdimensional law firm, Wolfram and Hart, goes around and actually, like, in connection with the law itself, is ensuring that demons have their way. Right. Kind of like on this, like, Donald Trump level of, like, influence where you can be, you can be a demon in plain sight. And right. that I think that the reason that maybe they, rather than it just being kind of like a casual writing error, the reason that they are hiding in plain sight is because there hasn't been an angel in L.A. yet. I get what you're saying. And I think, yeah, I agree. He's the thing that came to L.A. and is like stirring it up. Yeah, it's like, nope, I'm putting a stop to this. Yeah. Got it. I'd agree. He's and I champion. hope that he, I hope that that message moves around and tells people not to auction off living things. No. Kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Yeah. What do you think about that being removed? I'm fine with it. I always thought it was kind of weird. It's super sketchy. I don't, I'm not married to like Disneyland, like OG lore stuff. Like I got upset when Tower of Terror was getting changed into the Guardians Escape the collectors I'm annoyed by that chambers but mostly because I'm just like but I love Twilight Zone I don't this need isn't to see a better. movie that came out like a TV show that ran for forever and is iconic isn't shouldn't be replaced by movie the, the hip m- new thing yeah yeah exactly if anything it kind of diminished Guardians for me even though I appreciate the Guardians because they're so interesting mm-hmm uh, and they're a fun thing, and they're different in the Marvel Universe, it kind of made me like them less. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden, they were part of the machine. I agree with you. Like, the Guardians is now the equivalent of Frozen, where it's like... Yes! Frozen is replacing rides, and the old Aladdin show, gone. It's Frozen. Frozen show. Maelstrom in the uh, Epcot Park in Florida. It's a Frozen ride Frozen now. ride. yeah. Mm-hmm. Abominable snowman's snow cones. Abominable snow cones. Elsa's frosty fun times. Wow. I don't know if that's real. <laughs> Trademark, Elsa's frosty fun times. Uh, so in that sense, yes. But with Pirates of the Caribbean, it's like, well, pirates were bad guys. Yeah. And this auction can change. But, like, they put Johnny Depp in. 
And they put Jack Sparrow in a million like, times. I feel like they'll. I feel like he's gonna get taken out. Here's I am fine with that. Here's my issue with. Let's remove Jack Sparrow. Because Jack and it's not just oh they threw Jack Sparrow in. He took over the flipping ride. Yeah, it's like when he's not there, it's like. Like, you know that Simpsons episode with Poochie where Homer's suggestion for the writers is when Poochie's not on screen, they should all just be like, where's Poochie? Yeah. It's basically they're all like, where's Jack Sparrow? Exactly. Have you seen Jack Sparrow? It's like, yes, we've seen Jack Sparrow. The fun part about this ride was that it was this weird, old, like, 20th century animatronic environment. Yeah. My issue... Now Davy Jones is, like, awkwardly on the dust, and Jack Sparrow's just flumbering around, and sometimes Johnny Depp is... In a drug-fueled yeah. bender just wandering around the waters? It, really him. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand from like an imaginarying perspective. I don't imagine I don't understand the story once Jack Sparrow's been thrown in and they have like all the mist projection stuff. Because originally it's really cool because it's like maybe this guy's dream and you fall into the dream. Spoilers in case you haven't been on the attraction. Then Waterfalls, amazing. You're in the Pirate Cove, amazing. Love it. And you enter into what's possibly a flashback or the world of pirates. Or you exit the cave and you're in the world of pirates. Mm -hmm. And you're in this place where there's a bunch of water and then every so often explosions are going off. And you move around and then by the end the village is on fire and you come, you dwindle down to just two people, not in boats, shooting cannonballs at each other, but just shooting at each other. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of water, a lot of fire around you. Yep. That's a huge, that's amazing to go from the ocean into what is possibly the like heart of a dock or a boat itself. Mm-hmm. That's a story. And then going up... Out of nowhere, there's Jack Sparrow, and he's surrounded by treasure. And I'm like, what did you do? What was your part in the story? You know what I'm saying? And that breaks it for me. So it's not, like, everyone's like, don't ch- make changes. Like, you can make changes, but it still has to tell the story of the attraction. And Jack Sparrow just popping up every so often being like, hey, by the way, it's me, Jack Sparrow. And then he's like, and I got all the gold. It's like, what gold? Though from the cave with the skeletons that was unprotected that we saw in the beginning? <laughs> Why weren't you there? Where did you hear about... Like, I have so many questions. I think that, like, introducing Jack Sparrow... Ruined it. Yeah. Or diminished it. Not ruined it, but definitely... Like, I accepted it, because I was like, yeah, I guess people want to see Jack Sparrow. That causes them more joy than the story of the attraction. Okay, sure. Right. The elegance of the the narrative. It was, like, brand... uh, What's the word? Like... (sighs) Cohesion. Integration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... And so I just... I had to accept it. But for people who are like, you can't make changes to the attraction, I'm like, you well, you can't make changes to the freaking story. Yeah. Whereas the change of getting rid of the auction is not a change of the story. No, it just means... It's a change of a detail. And it's the change of planting the seed in children's heads that human trafficking is a like hilarious thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because right now it's like, isn't this so funny? Look at her It's a comedy moment. Yeah. Show them your larboard side. yeah. It's like, this is sex trafficking. Yeah, it is. And we are all... Chuckling at it. Yes. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's what's happening. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So when people are like, oh, it's PC culture, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it's just we're trying to make the world better. Here's what I don't get is when people talk about politically correct culture, I'm like, 
Yeah, that's the cult. Yeah. Yes. Like, someone going and being like, I, this isn't the best example, but someone being like, I love being American. Like, oh, bunch of patriotic culture. Like, yeah, you just defined the culture I'm expressing and representing. Mm -hmm. You're correct. Yes. I feel like if people want to say something, don't regurgitate a term that you saw on Reddit. Just Mm -hmm. say what's actually annoying Mm -hmm. you. Where someone's like, you know, oh, you know, I, I don't like to say bless you. I'm like, oh, PC culture or whatever. I'm just like, that's not actually, no. The t- people, people using it so much has made it not mean anything, which then makes when people get irritated, and I want to respect people's feelings and reactions, it makes their reactions like white noise to me. Yeah. Where it's just like, I don't know. I use the PC culture reaction for just everything mm-hmm. now, which I think is funny, mm-hmm. where it's just like, now it's 20% more water. I'm like, ugh. PC culture run amok or whatever. And I think it's really funny because it, it's, it's so funny that you as say meaningful. Run amok. Yeah. In as, my head, I yeah. heard the phrase "run amok" during. <laughs> PC culture run amok. Yeah. Anyway, that's my little bit about PC culture. Like, yeah. I, there is something where, like, I like my. We get very personal on the podcast here. I was watching uh, Master of None mm-hmm. with my brother and it was introducing Aziz's parents Mm -hmm. and they have natural accents because they're from India. At least I think I know his dad is from India for sure. Uh, And my brother was like, is this offensive? And I was like, what? What's offensive? And he was like, their voices. And I was like, no, those are just their accents. That's how they talk. And he's like, I think it's a little offensive that they're in the show like this, that they're being represented this way. And I was like, I think you're very eager to find something offensive strictly within the context you are experiencing. Mm-hmm. But were you to step back and look at a general context and not just your American, your age group context, I think you would see that this is a totally normal choice. Right. You can say that you're uncomfortable that the dad is represented so hilariously while there's no counterexamples of older Indian men not being silly. Yeah. And we can talk about that. Sure, that like Aziz is kind of stuck with thinking older men are this certain way. Sure, we can talk about that. But saying that it's offensive is not, is a little too specific to just your circle of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, but someone else might have been like, that's just PC culture. It's like, well, that conversation went nowhere. Right. Whereas, like, if you can identify specifically what it is, you might realize that there's not even a solution, per se, Mm -hmm. that it's just something that we will talk about, and that's how we'll continue to live amongst each other. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we deal with it on the podcast, too, because it's like sometimes, like, when something comes up, like, sometimes I wonder, it's like, okay, well, I have thoughts on something. are my thoughts helpful? Am I like, like with the Cordelia example in right. this episode? Cordelia in this episode, in my view, is kind of not just mistreated by the villains, but mistreated by the writing. Yeah. In which the way that she she gets the visions through being kissed. And then is like trying to kiss away the visions. And I'm not trying to imply that Cordelia shouldn't be able to go and kiss whoever the hell she wants. But something about it felt 
weird. There's always the concern of who made the decision. Right. It's like she's in this very patriarchal situation. Yeah. In which she is the only major female character and that one of her main actions is just going around kissing all the male characters? Yeah. It's kind of like with Jurassic World where it was like uh, one of the characters is wearing like heels while running. And I was like, that was kind of dumb. And then Trevorrow came out and he was like, actually, it wasn't my idea. It was hers. Yeah. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. And then it was like, that was her idea. And I was like, okay, well, I don't now I don't think it's sexist. I still think it's incredibly impractical. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I see now... But I can still think something silly. It's just like the whole like running from the T Rex in the heels. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, and if she, and if, and she was like, I think that would be cool if like this. Or I think it's like she's wearing them, she's gonna run in them, and also she's gonna take them off or whatever. Yeah, she had an explanation. I personally probably need to look into it more to see actually what the heck was going on. But my initial reaction was just like um, director saying wear the heels and run. This guy's probably never worn heels before. And this is speaking of someone who has worn heels before. They're very hard to walk in, let alone run. Yeah. So props to anyone who can move at all in heels. But, uh, yeah, like that, he, what I was like, was it his decision? Because if so, that's ignorant. Mm-hmm. And also has sort of sexist connotations in terms of just like, what a woman would think and what she would do and what a female character would react to and the idea of comfort or whatever, right? right Over right, style right, is right, like a huge right. thing. And then when he was like, no, it was not mine. Mine was for her to take it off. She said to keep it on. It's like, okay, I still think it's practical, but it's not those things that mm-hmm. I was kind of complaining about directly at him. Right. And so... Like once you discover the root of the choice, it kind of repaints your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because also it's like a thing where it's like, uh, I'm a guy filmmaker and lots of times I'll make decisions that are either like total blind spots or biases that I have. And I need people to like bring them up or I won't even recognize what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And if someone's like, why are you having her run in heels? I'm like, because she was wearing them. Like, do you know what it's like to run in heels? And I'll say, I haven't worn them before. I'll be like, that's a good point. I don't know. That would be a failure of exploring a character on my part, so. Oh. And that is a security drone that they've oh installed in the central library, so we gotta be, uh, we probably have to get going in a second. Yes, Jeez. I think we do, but I am curious. What I wanna know on Twitter, yes. or email us, sunnydalestudygroup at gmail.com. Right. I haven't rewatched Angel in a while, probably uh-huh. since it was on TV, besides many individual episodes, mostly from later seasons that I am obsessed with yeah. and that are my, what I think of when I think of Angel, you don't really, spoiler alert, you don't really think about season one, excuse me, that much when you've seen the whole series of Angel. Right. So what I'm curious about is new, uh, first time. Buffy newbies. New Buffy newbies. Buffy Angel newbies. What are you thinking? Returning Scoobies, who have seen all of Angel. What do you think now? What are you thinking looking back at this now? Yeah, and if you can keep it mostly spoiler-free. Try to keep it spoiler-free. Talk about kind of the flavor of it. But how does it compare to you? And also people jumping into it, what do you think? 
now what are your impressions what do you think it might even go yeah you know from here tonally narratively because yeah because a lot of people and i see this on and i know in last season i was just referencing this that buffy facebook group in which there's like the discussions about buffy the one Mm -hmm. of the people who don't like riley um or some of the people who don't like riley i also see on that group a lot more people who didn't watch angel than i imagine and I think that so many of my friends who watched Buffy and Angel growing up, we just watched them both. Mm-hmm. If you watched one, you watched the other. You just did it. Yeah. Especially because by the time, you know, I was watching this in high school when it was still on TV. So it was like once Buffy was over, that's what we watched. We all right. watched Angel. You, you eat get one me- Twix, you eat the other Twix. Exactly. Um, I've discovered a lot more in my life in Los Angeles that some people only watched Buffy. Right. Or some people saw some of Angel, but they say they couldn't quite get into it. And then some people who just adore it, or even some fans who watched the whole series and didn't really like it besides season five. Right. So, you know, let us know, because I'm curious. Seeing Angel again is an interesting rewatch. Yeah, I'd be very curious as well. Uh, And speaking of curiosity, these episodes drum a lot of it up, and from that we get lessons. So we're going to, before we have to wrap up and get out of here, before the drone circles back, when I say drone, I don't mean like a interstellar drone. I mean just one of those little ones you can buy, like a mall kiosk or something, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Little four propellers. That's mm-hmm. just all they have going around. Like a Roomba, except it doesn't send all your information back to the main headquarters. you know about that? I did not. Roombas collect floor plan information and send it to a company called iRobot. What? Yeah. That real? Yes. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so, Chris, what would you say is your Los Angeles lesson you took away from this episode? My Los Angeles lesson is anyone who unrequestedly gives you overbearing advice about what you're feeling, if you don't Stay alone with them if they're wearing a fedora. That's good advice. That's how, good advice. How about you, Omar? My advice is don't go for leather if you have a suit. Don't go for the leather look if you can sport a good suit. Not a lot of people can sport a good suit. Not a lot of people have a good suit. Be yourself. Wear that suit. Wear that suit. Be yourself, wear that suit. Mm -hmm. And that is our bell, which means the drone has activated the security system, and there will be many more. Dennis, hold that door until we're done, because we are not quite out of the woods yet. Nope. Chris, where can they find you? Hey, guys, we got to get out of here, but I am Chris Promonte. You can find me as Amontioc on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and on HyperRPG on Thursdays and Fridays as Amontioc on The Gauntlet and HyperQuest. You can find me with Robot Teammate on the Geek & Sundry Twitch channel. Also, if you're in the New York City area, we are bringing our play Turbulence to the Soho Playhouse. A place formerly owned by Aaron Burr, sir. And speaking of Aaron Burr, sir, if you are in the Los Angeles area and want to come to Hamilton's, which is going to be this Sunday, August 20th at 8 p.m., come to the Three of Clubs and sing along to Hamilton with us. Omar, where can they find you? You can find me also at Hamilton's. I will be there, as well as on Twitter at Omar Najam, and over at Two Broke Geeks, where I am running Nerdy Worms, a festival where we are making movies throughout the year so please hop on in because it is such a blast it is so much fun and it's a great way to spend your time and explore your own creativity also my show that i worked on 
It's on Disney XD. It's called Parker Play. So please check that out if you have Disney XD. It's really fun. It's super funny. Get a group of friends. It's watching a hilarious guy play video games, and uh, and that's it. That's the whole pitch. It's pretty great. Also, Holland's in episodes. Holland's in character? episodes. She's on it. Yeah, like you see Holland on TV. Is she called Holland? Yeah, she's Holland. She's producer Holland. She's producer Holland Farkas. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Uh, and yeah, so Holland is on the TV. You can see her, and she's there, and she exists. Uh, you can find anything and everything Sunnydale Study Group related at SSG Podcast. Again, that's at SSG Podcast as well as Sunnydale Study Group on Facebook and Sunnydale Study Group on Instagram. Again, our email is sunnydalestudygroup at gmail.com. Feel free to send us emails. We check it. We will respond to stuff here on the air. When we say the air, we mean the vibrations that carry through the air mm. from a speaker to your ears. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's a translation machine uh, to the reception microphone of a computer that then turns this stuff into words, which is wonderful technology that we have nowadays. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us so far. Discussion of Parting Gifts, episode 10 of season one of Angel. We are blowing through this season, and it is such a blast. We have a huge event going on right now, in case you didn't hear the last week's podcast. Massive. Massive. This is probably going to be the takeaway of the year. The, of the year. Maybe, like, maybe definitely the, the summer, century. maybe the century. Like, I think it's going Wonder Woman, then hashtag Summer of Riley. And what we're doing is we're all just sharing our general thoughts about Riley Finn from mm-hmm. Buffy, uh, what we think about him, our reactions to him. We are going to take all this information over the next few weeks and turn it into a panel where we are going to have a pro-Riley, anti-Riley, head-to-head that we can form some conclusion and walk out of it. Not winners and losers, but all of us with more information and knowledge and feelings about Riley. More rounded people. Exactly. And as you're interacting with fellow study buddies uh, and investigators on hashtag Summer of Riley, I would like to remind you guys, we're all friends. Mm -hmm. We're all friends. We all love this thing and these things that we love. There's no need to fight. We haven't seen any fighting quite yet because we only just announced this hashtag before we even uploaded last week's episode. But just, uh, yeah, keep keep an open... Keep an open mind and an open heart, and if someone disagrees with you, that's fantastic, because that's someone providing another perspective that you then get to see through, and that's a gift. It's a gift. And sometimes it's a parting gift. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you then. <laughs>